Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Danny Mersloat, and he is founder of Alpin Stash. They are a craft cannabis company. We're going to talk to them about their approach to growing cannabis, approach to cultivars. We're going to learn a lot about what does it really mean to grow cannabis in a very unique, careful, considered way, focused on the quality, focused on the outcome, focused on the the uh, the product itself and creating a unique uh, and I think really interesting set of cannabis products. Background in medical, background in the cannabis market. I'm always fun. I always enjoy talking to folks that have been in cannabis for a while, kind of seeing the changes and sort of the dynamics of the industry that we're in. So it should be a fun conversation with that. Danny, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So why don't we talk a little bit about background? Give us uh, give us kind of the story. How did you start in cannabis? How did Alpin Stash come about? What was the uh, what was it like to create the company? And, and then we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing today. Sure. So shortly after I turned 21, I developed a 
pretty crippling stomach pains of an unknown origin, a hospitalized series of tests. You know, it was like a, they, they decided that it was probably nerve related. And then I was put on pretty quickly pain medication and then very quickly high doses of uh, fentanyl. Uh, this was before. Yeah, this was before that was uh, famous today. I don't there's no way they would do that today. But this was in, I think, 2000 and three or 2004. So it was a little different world back then. Yeah. During that time, I developed a nerve impingement syndrome in my arm. So there, there again was more treatment, more pain medication, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more like injections, epidurals and all that stuff. And then a series of surgeries to fix that. It's called thoracic outlet syndrome. And then sort of within that, this whole thing, this has uh, consumed most of my 20s. I developed a non-cancerous base of skull tumor, so more surgery, you know, more recovery time, more pain medication. So mm-hmm. suffice it to say, I was in a pretty deep medical and medicated funk, yeah. uh, kind of nowhere to go and no real positive outlook. In 2009, my father suggested that I try medical cannabis, which yep. had just become accessible to the public, you know, realistically accessible to the public here in Colorado. Got my medical card, went to a dispensary, free clone, came with purchase. Uh, I had always found growing plants pretty therapeutic, so I just you know, took this clone home. And meanwhile, uh, I, yeah, I hadn't really consumed cannabis through most of my 20s. I had had some experience in high school, just wasn't my thing. So when I tried it for medical purposes, I found it really did the trick, really helped pain. I was able to get off pain medications as cannabis was a much better thing to modulate my pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Became more active as as you get out of that uh, opiate haze. I became more active, plugged back in with life, which you know, cannabis facilitated that too. Um, In retrospect, it turned, you know, and and we learn more about this stuff now, but uh, a lot of sometimes opiates are contraindicated for like just standard muscle pain. The more you try to block a pain signal, the stronger it can become. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the pain I was having actually at some point switched from whatever mechanical issue it was to now being exacerbated by the opiates. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, As I began to get off of them and the other medications that I had been on, it's worth it to say I was, you know, all this pain medication, fentanyl and side effects and I take medication for the side effects and medications for the side effects of those medications. (laughs) It's a long long way down once you get going on that cycle. Yeah. But anyways, you know, cannabis plugged me back into life and I found growing extremely therapeutic in and of itself and, you know, and then began to see the benefits of it and, and this industry developing and saw a future for myself. I didn't really have, you know, much, many skills at that point looking towards like a career. Mm -hmm. Uh, and And I had, you know, spent all that time being in treatment or hospitals and all that stuff and really wanted to pursue a passion and not just a job. So growing cannabis became the thing that motivated me to get up to be active, to care for something, and then became my career path and and something I dedicated myself to. So with that in mind, I I joined the industry in 2010, worked for a dispensary, a couple Mm -hmm. grows, terrible experiences there, went and took horticulture classes, realized that if I wanted to, to grow cannabis the way that, that I wanted to, and that was uh, completely dedicated to uh, a craft and a connoisseur product, mm-hmm. using unique genetics, uh, sustainable grow methods, and really doing it the right way in the best way that I could, uh, I had to start my own thing. Myself and my friend, uh, Evan at the time, mm-hmm. uh, worked towards starting uh, our company, Alpenstash. Uh, worked in the uh, supply side selling. While I was taking horticulture classes, I, I sold nutrients and, and all the equipment to grow. So I kind of learned that side um, and then just spent three or four years really working to get Alpenstash off the ground. We opened in 2015 and have been building up from there. Currently, we have myself and my wife 
own and run this company. Our name is Murr, and we have a couple of employees, and we just, you know, everybody that, that we have working for us does this because this is their passion and this is what they want to do. So that's kind of, we start from, you know, our goal is to create the best, highest quality product that we can as sort of our, that's what our passion is. Yeah. So we just started from there and we're, you know, we're going. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I'm curious when, um, you know, when you're kind of in that, the medical conundrum and, and uh, you know, dealing with prescriptions and the opioids and stuff. I mean, how, I guess, how, how did the, I mean, you mentioned that your, your father, you said was the one that kind of suggested or introduced. I mean, how, how was that process? I mean, I'm always kind of curious when people first get introduced to cannabis or reintroduced to cannabis, you know, what was, what was the thinking? Was it obvious? Did you have hesitations? What was it like to kind of look, look at cannabis differently? I had definitely had hesitations at the time I had, like I said, I had smoked in high school and enjoyed yeah. it then, but as sort of, I got older and, and I kind of had this theory that opiates is like the antithesis of cannabis. It really yeah. plugs you out of life and, and zombifies you, whereas cannabis enhances you and plugs you in. Yeah. And they just, it didn't mesh well. So when I had tried it, I had had paranoid experiences. I had, uh, yeah. you know, experiences, nausea and vomiting and, and really I was hesitant. In fact, I got my card in September and I think I first went to a dispensary in November or December. I yeah. had reached the point of like, I was willing to try anything. Yeah. Uh, I desperately wanted to be, you know, have my life back. And so I kind of got desperate enough to try it. And then the, the mindset for me at that time was, well, it's medical and therefore it's clean and it's, you know, we know what's in it and it's not, you know, it's grown with good intentions and yeah. care and it's not spiked with anything and all the, you know, where I live in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Colorado, where I grew up, you know, we always had high quality cannabis, yeah. but I sort of had that um, scare tech mindset at that time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I decided to try. I went to my first dispensary. I had no idea what I was doing or looking for or anything. The, it, was a, it was a very chaotic, you know, it was kind of like a, a basement <laughs> store with yeah. a guy named Dr. Reefer and uh, it was pretty crazy. Oh, well, that's guy. great. But, yeah. Yeah. But he did give me some great advice at the time, which was, you know, smell these different strains and follow your nose yeah. as a good place to start. And that's what I did. And I was able to sort of, I learned to like, you know, do something while I was stoned. So I would go yeah. home and, you know, from that dispensary dispensary smoke and then, you know, watch TV or something and, and something that would cannabis would give me the, the physical break of pain and then the mental space to enjoy whatever I was doing. And the more that I got out of a uh, I'm stuck in pain and medicated mindset, the more kind of space I created within that yeah. uh, experience, the more that I realized that I could get out of it. Yeah, it's a it's a I mean, I, I had a I, I did a double fusion in my back probably about four years ago now. And it's kind of similar experience was, you know, look, looking at this bottle of of 150 Percocet, you know, <laughs> thinking, oh my gosh, th this could be a problem if I really get oh, into yeah. this. And uh, and yeah, it was it's kind of this nice, you know, alleviates the pain, but does but then actually does start engaging you in different ways. And and even if you're physically incapacitated, it keeps you kind of mentally mentally in the game. Uh, whereas the opioids, I always found just it just shut me down. I mean, you just you oh, yeah. just kind of you're in a coma, kind of. I mean, but, it's um, completely, you know, for me. And this was. This is shortly after I turned 21, too. I believe I got off of the opiates by, by the end on my own yeah. uh, when I was 29. So, I mean, I had like, you know, eight years yeah. of just, you know, slowly becoming a zombie yeah. and then slowly digging myself out. Yeah. Now, I'm curious in terms of family and friends. I mean, you're in Colorado, so my guess is the context was was fairly cannabis friendly. But did you have any, was there any kind of social or family kind of relationship navigation you had to do when once you started using cannabis on a regular basis? Not, no, definitely not. Yeah. I, I was very, very fortunate in that fact. Um, you know, 
my parents had a history with, um, you know, my dad was like a drug defense attorney in the seventies. Yeah. My mom uh, was a hippie. So they yeah. were, while they didn't really, you know, they had kind of grown out of that phase. They, they were very supportive. Um, yeah. my friends, you know, were, were supportive too. And no, I was very fortunate that I, I didn't meet any resistance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most, most of it, to be honest, came from myself, from yeah. sort of the prohibition mindset that mm-hmm. I had grown, you know, kind of grown up with. Yeah, I can see it. I think that's, and that's a, that's a huge challenge that I see in terms of adoptions. I mean, if people have social and family structures around them that are, that are, you know, at least if not can pro cannabis, you know, they're, they're cannabis neutral or even cannabis, uh, unfriendly, you know, it can be really hard. I mean, I think it was one of the challenges we have in his industry is, is dealing with the kind of social and family stigmas around this stuff. So talk to me about, so I like the idea that the growing was actually therapeutic for you is that that was a, that was part of your kind of relationship to the plant was not just the, you know, the, the effects it had through consumption, but the actual interaction you had to the plants through growing. Tell, tell me more about like, what was that? Like, how did that serve you? Or what was that like to develop that relationship from a uh, growing point of view? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I you know, I, I say that that to me was as therapeutic and uh, life affirming as, as, you know, if not more so than just ingesting cannabis itself. Yeah. Initially, it, it sort of gave me, you know, at by the time I had tried medical cannabis, I was pretty stationary. I really didn't do anything all day. You know, pretty much sat in bed and and watched TV and you know tried not to just be so down on myself. But cannabis, you know, growing really it, it kind of got me up, got me doing something physical. I had no idea what I was doing, so I did everything wrong, which made you know a lot more physical work initially with one or two plants. It's not a big deal. But when I started scaling up to meet my, my maximum amount and, 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 and not knowing what I was doing, you know, I had a really hot room or a grow tent at that time. So I was, you know, trying to figure out what I was doing in like 90 degree heat, which, <laughs> you know, which, which was crappy, but it was a, it was a good workout for myself. I, yeah. you know, generally was 125 to 130 pounds growing up. I was 190 plus at this time. Wow. So doing anything, you know, was really good. And, and then just the, you know, having to get in the mindset of, of caring for something yeah. that was going to care for me, yeah. you know, it was just like kind of getting my, my mind in a positive mind frame to, to do this work. And then um, once I realized that I had the potential, uh, if I uh, really apply myself and focus to make this a career, then, you know, that not only did, did I begin to put more of my heart into it, but I devoted more of my my mental capacity, which for a while had been sort of in a not sort of, but had been in a, a, a bad place. I yeah. devoted it towards filling it with knowledge of cannabis and growing and cultivars and, and you know, daydreaming about what I could do and <laughs> and all yeah. that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it was a really all encompassing and uh, very important part of my recovery. And and tell me about the, the I guess, when, when did you decide or what was the moment by which you really kind of seriously considered that this could become a business, you know, more than just kind of a passion and a, and a tool for dealing with your health issues. But when did this idea is like, I could actually, this could be a business. We could make money on this. I mean, I don't exactly remember. It was, it was pretty quickly because I saw initially I was like, oh, you know, the people are just trying to get high. And then, mm-hmm. and then I smoked, I was like, whoa, this is really, really medicinally beneficial. This is legit. Yeah. And you know, there's, being from the part of the country I'm at, you know, those craft products are in high demand. Yeah. You know, we have fine meat stores and, and craft breweries and all that stuff. And so I was like, if I really devote myself to trying to grow the best flowers that I can, I there's going to be something for me. Yeah. By no means was it a I will own my own business and do that mm-hmm. mindset until I had experience uh, working in other facilities in which I just were, were not what I wanted to do. 
And, and at that point I realized if I wanted to do this the way that I would find satisfaction and the way that would be, you know, best use of what I had learned at that time, I would have to do this myself. That's when it became a, you know, we need to, it's time to start getting a business together. Yeah. Yeah. And I see so much of the kind of the, you know, the growing side of this market, you know, being the, you know, how can we crank up the THC as high as possible, grow as much as possible, as cheap as possible. And, you know, kind of this, this focus on sort of potency and, and volume and cost. Tell me about how you've approached just the whole kind of growing strategy or, or what you're focused on when it comes to, to growing. What are the kind of the principles and the values that you're, you're really trying to follow as you, as you look at the cultivation side? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So for years before I started Alpenstash, I, I was very cognizant of the fact that that no matter what I did, I would never be a giant corporate company. Um, at that point in time, I was working for a store called Victory Hydroponics, selling equipment to many grows and seeing, you know, kind of seeing from that side where the industry was headed. And it became very obvious that if if I wanted to survive as a small company or if we wanted to survive as a small company, we would have to be craft. Uh, and we had we're lucky enough that craft beer and distilleries are huge in Colorado. Yeah. And so that was kind of a good analogy to see, you know, where we projected things would go. And in that, you know, what I say is if you have a billion dollars, you can start like you can be Coors, you know, Coors, mm, Coors yeah. or was based out of Colorado. But if you don't, if you have the, the passion, the skill, the knowledge and drive the motivation, you can be a craft brewery and you can do quite well on a, on a you know, small scale and, and really carve out that niche for yourself. But it takes all these things that the big guys don't have. And if if you wanted to be a, you know, a high volume, low quality producer, your time in the industry is limited because as this goes federally legal and the really big boys like Scott's and Monsanto or Bayer, RJ Reynolds, as they come in, they will literally crush all the medium and low quality grows. There's in the hydroponic industry, Scott's Fertilizer Group uh, has a subsidiary called Hawthorne. They actually started buying up the vast majority of grow nutrient and equipment manufacturers. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, something like 80 plus percent of grows get their supplies to grow cannabis from Hawthorne. And so if they ever get into the game and it comes down to a price per pound, you know, they will, they'll just eat you up. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. So if, and for me, because this is passion, this is something I want to stay in. The only way to go uh, was a craft, the craft route, which jived perfectly for us. So to that end, you know, we, we do everything by hand. We hand water, we hand trim, we do things which are fairly irregular in this industry. We actually cure our product in glass jars. We'll sell, ship it to the dispensary in those glass jars. Mm. We, you know, I, I do breeding on site. So we have unique cultivars and really we do everything we can to create a craft product. Our secret ingredient is elbow grease and love. Um, <laughs> we use the best inputs we, we can find, which is for us is nectar for the gods or a sustainably sourced natural nutrient system based out of Eugene, Oregon, um, mm-hmm. Everything they do is rainwater rinsed and, you know, all, all their their inputs are, you know, made with rainwater. We craft our own soil here. You know, we really we, we don't pack plants in. We give them the space to breathe. We because we hand water every day, you know, as we're going through watering, you get eyes on the plant. You get time to interact with them. You see what they need and, you know, kind of give them what each plant wants on a, on a daily basis. Um, and, and really, like like I said, I mean, everything we do the whole step of the way is with that mindset that, you know, we are proud to produce what we produce and this is uh, the best that we can do and, and the cleanest that we can do. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm curious, tell us, I mean, it, from a sort of craft cultivation strategy, what, what are the main levers that you deal with or the main sort of factors or variables that you have to manage to produce, you know, the, the level of quality that you're producing there? What, what goes into that? Uh, first and foremost, it's uh, the people. So we've really, you know, been lucky in the folks that we employ, uh, that we have been able to find people that share our passion and our goals. I mean, that's first and foremost, for sure. And then, you know, from a cultivation standpoint, then goes into, you know, lighting, genetics, really, really, really good environmental controls. That's kind of the big one that's often overlooked in, in this industry is you know, really putting time, effort and money into, into being able to control your environment and dial that in. Um, and then just, you know, uh, the skill and knowledge that comes, on, that comes with just having done this. Yeah. And, and continuing to try to do it as best we can. Uh, I've really been kind of in my own lane and as a company we've been kind of in our own lane in this industry and in that we stick with our, our principles of providing you know clean product grown by people with good intention uh, to the best of our abilities you know and offering the best experience to the end user and just sort of for the most part not paying attention to the the trends that come with corporate cannabis yeah. and that for us, took a while to gain traction. And uh, in the last part of 2019, we've we really begun to hit that market. And, and that's partially been a factor of an evolving kind of sewer class of, of consumers where, you know, for a while it was cannabis is legal, like, you know, and they don't even know necessarily what quality looks like, especially tourists. You know, a lot of people come in, they're just so yeah. amazed and mystified by the experience in general. They ask their bud tender what's good and the bud tender will tell them either because they're told to tell them that or they just do, but they don't have that differentiation that, you know, I liken it to, I have family that comes from outside Atlantic city and it took a long time for craft beer to take off there for a while. It was, you know, Heineken and blue moon was their craft. And now when I come out there, they have breweries from all the country. They have ones that are there and it just, it took a few years of people really yeah. seeking to understand what it is and to appreciate it. So it's partially a factor of that or a large part of factor of that for us here is now, now people know what they're looking for, know what a good experience is, know that the old adage, you got to cough to get off is, you know, sort of BS and, uh, and, you know, and, and it should look good. It should taste good. It should smell good. And the company that you buy it from should, you know, you should align with their morals and, you know, support the right people. And as all those pieces are coming together, you know, we're, we're seeing that part improve. Yeah, that's great. And, and so let's sort of dig in to this sort of topic or this issue of cultivars. How, I mean, just explain a little bit, you know, when we're talking about cultivars, what goes into that? What are the, what are the things that define a cultivar? What are some of the kind of key cultivars that you've worked with that you're developing, you know, to the extent that you're you're developing new you know new new strains new cultivars how does that process work i mean as it, it kind of educates us a little bit on this world of you know craft uh craft cannabis and and how you kind of define the different categories and the different options of the different plants sure so i'll start off by saying you know people use uh, cultivars and strains interchangeably yeah. uh from like a technical horticulture aspect cultivars the terminology or sometimes varietals so yeah. uh strain, strain is perfectly acceptable some people say strand you know one of so it, it started that that was sort of my personal passion was um you know creating new uh genetics uh, and people that don't really know the cannabis that you smoke is a female uh, plant cannabis has male and female individual plants um and so for the most part everybody grows the female plant that's what the buds are from if you grow a male plant it produces actually tiny flowers that sort of look like lilies they produce pollen and if you mix that pollen on a female plant you get seeds and in fact the calyx uh, it's the part of the plant that the hairs grow out of that everybody's familiar with 
that sort of teardrop shape is where the seed would form. It's sort of like a, a chicken in that aspect where it's always laying these eggs, but if there's if it's fertilized, it'll actually be something in that egg. Yeah. So the concept is pretty simple. You take a, a boy plant, a girl plant, play some good music, and then you have uh, some, some <laughs> Does the music in. matter? Which music you use have an impact on the results? <laughs> uh, you know, I like to, I like to think that every uh, everything you do with intention exactly. has some yes. small impact. Yeah. I'm sure that's debatable, but uh, – <laughs> So, you know, if you take a boy plant, a girl plant, and then you get some seeds, you have a new, a new strain or a new cultivar. And uh, oftentimes, you know, when I first started tracking this in 2009 or 10, uh, there's a, a few different places that you track strains. Uh, one of them is called Seed Finder. It's a European com- uh, website. Uh, people that are nerd out about this, it's en.seedfinder.eu. It's sort of like the international standard. There was a couple of thousand different registered yeah. cannabis strains at that time. Now I think there's, you know, well over 10,000. So people are crossing these like crazy, a lot of times with bad results, sometimes with good results. And they're just sort of all over the place. So, but, you know, just like with anything, the parents that you have count. So if you take a good, good looking female plant, and a good looking male plant, put them together, you can have some interesting re- results. So that's sort of the fun for me is, is looking through these and finding these seeds. And when you make new seeds, uh, just like children, you know, they'll all be different. Brothers and sisters have a lot of similar traits and people, but they're also different. So, you know, part of the fun is what we call pheno hunting, which is looking for the individual plants from that mom and dad cross that are the best performers and seeking to enhance those traits as you continue breeding with it. But one thing that's been beneficial to us is that because we're so small in Colorado, traditionally branding on the dispensary side for flower has been difficult. Just the model they they are is sort of like you go to a dispensary, it's flowers and jars. They may or may not have our stickers on it. They may or may not want to even say that we grew it. So that that part has traditionally been tricky. So one way we've been been able to get around that is to offer unique genetics that only we grow. And so whether or not the dispensary says Sparrow King is grown by Alpenstash, you know, we're the only ones that have that and grow that. So it's been beneficial from that standpoint. As growers, we also like new stuff. So it's, it's fun to look through that. We do grow some known stuff. We're definitely not against that. But, you know, we, we do like to differentiate ourselves with so some of the known stuff that we have that we're growing. You know, we, we've got cherry pie, Donatello, Crouching Tiger, Vanillion, Chocolope we do sometimes, a string called Hemlock. So, you know, we kind of, you know, we do grow some some known and available stuff. Uh, we don't really grow anything super common. Like we haven't really grown Blue Dream or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, again, we kind of stick to our own lane um, yeah. and, and do what we want. We grow, you know, first and foremost, we, we do this for ourselves and then, and do what, what we think will be good. And, and, you know, and then our customers know that whatever, you know, whichever way we go, you know, we've done, put a lot of intention and thought into it and therefore it'll, it'll be good. Yeah. I've been curious. I know like for, for wine and stuff, there's various ways in which you kind of categorize the different varietals and you kind of can tell certain things about the the product. Is there a similar system for cannabis in terms of, you know, what you look at, kind of the qualities you're looking for, whether they be visual or, um, you know, smells and things like that? What are, what are the ways or the kind of categories, variables you use to kind of classify different cultivars and uh, kind of group them or, or understand how to navigate the taxonomy? Yeah. So first of all, the general thing is, you know, indica sativa. Most people are familiar with that. Indica tends to be more of um, a set of effect. It's a squatter plant, generally with broader leaves. 
uh, sativas, uh, the indicas often come genetically from, you know, mount, more mountainous regions of like, you know, Pakistan, India, Afghanistan. Uh, then you've got the sativas, which are uh, tend to be taller plants, airier, a bit more of a cerebral high, thinner leaves. Uh, they often come from more tropical regions, Thailand, Vietnam, Mexico, Hawaii, you know, things like that. And then there's uh, a whole series of hybrids in between. It very rarely do you actually run into purely indica and purely sativa things. And in fact, I would submit at this point that in order to do that, you need to find uh, those truly what, what we call land bound races or the, or the heirloom ones that are, you know, like the strain is like from Afghanistan or yeah from thailand which is you know that's a sort of a subset of passion uh, that we have here is, is getting into those yeah. but in terms of you know like how we so because that's sort of how the market is we, we definitely do you know have indica and sativa hybrid strains and, and straight up hybrids but in terms of you know how we break it down further is is often is by the way that it, it smells we sort of you know there are different smell and flavor profiles citrus gas you know, diesel, floral, things like that. And, and we try to, you know, identify the ones that we like and create cultivars that have those. Uh, and in terms of what we look for, you know, it's kind of the whole thing. We want, we don't want a great cultivars. We want the A pluses so that, you know, they look good, they taste good, they smell good, they feel good, they grow well. You know, they have interesting and unique terpene and flavonoid profiles uh, that smells and flavors and, and you know, that are hearty and, and just good all over plants. The more, the more that you do this, the more that you're like, that's a good plant. Yeah. Um, in fact, when Intuitive. I, when I, yeah, when I do deal with other growers or breeders and, and we talk about trading genetics, you know, they're mostly generally the question is, you know, what do you want? And, and my, my response generally is, you know, what do you like? Because yeah. I, you know, you're the person that bred this. I want to know what you like yeah. and what you find interesting. So, you know, I, I think as time goes on, we'll, we'll see a continued breakdown in terms of identifying characteristics that the market knows about for, you know, cultivars, but as it is right now for the general consumer, they still break it down to, you know, indica, sativa or the, the hybrids. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fascinating part of this is it's getting so um, sort of diverse and somewhat complicated. I think a lot of people just getting into the space, it can be one of the overwhelming parts of, of finding your first product or having your first experience is kind of navigating that side of it. So I'm curious to see how that how that plays out as the market develops and we get more people into the space. Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, if there are people listening, they're like, well, how do I find what I like? I So that first advice I got, the nose knows, I think is, is what I tell people. You know, if you go to a dispensary and you don't know where to start or you don't know what you're looking for, you know, smell things and see which ones catch you. If you smell something that doesn't smell good, then... Uh, yeah. Say that for a rainy day, maybe. Yeah. Or yeah. later when you're experimenting and want to try some things out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, what are your plans at this point? I mean, I guess you know you've got you've been developing the cultivars, you're developing the market. You know, looking out a couple of years, what are your hopes, dreams, ambitions in terms of the company and and where you expect to be? Yeah. So actually, we we're getting ready to expand. For us, we we have a, a unit next door to us uh, in our in our warehouse that's available. So we'll be taking that and building that out. That will give us, for us, that will essentially triple our size, um, which is, you know, will be fantastic, um, obviously from a business perspective. So, you know, a a goal in a couple of years would really be able to uh, better meet the demand that we have, be more available. We kind of have, it's a a good and a bad problem in that it's it's hard to find a product. And while we really like that, you know, we want to share this with everybody. So being able to, to meet that demand would be great. You know, I have future dreams and aspirations of 
of, of getting a, a, an extract or what's in Colorado known as a MIPS company, marijuana infused product company up and running and do things like solventless extracts and bubble hash, as well as topicals and lotions and, and bath bombs, um, tinctures, not quite sure on, yeah. you know, traditional food groups. And then really releasing our our genetics in seed and clone form to the general public. It's pretty part of part of our company, and it's, it's really important to us is to be uh, transparent with our grow techniques and to really support home growers and, and, and people, you know, learning about this plant, about what it takes to grow, you know, craft product, but also experiencing, I mean, the growing part was so life-changing for me that, you know, I, I want everybody to try this. And, and so... To that end, you know, we do have a YouTube channel. We do share our techniques. Uh, we're very transparent, but being able to release, you know, the genetics that we work with, so that people can, you know, can grow it for themselves, and, and to see that, that's also one of the things that we're really looking forward to doing. Yeah, yeah, well, it's clear that it was such a part of of your early relationship with the plant is actually growing it and having that sort of intimate knowledge. It makes sense that that's part of your goal here. Yeah, and and really, you know, it, it that. It helps us out because I think as people, you know, everybody has this misconception that it's easy to grow. It's a weed. It's easy to grow. And while that's true, I, I, I say it's easy to grow weed. It's hard to grow cannabis. And, and really, the more people that try it, you know, I, I feel like they'll respect the effort that we do put in versus the effort that's put in for, you know, kind of commercial yeah. uh, and industrialized cannabis. Yeah. Uh, Danny, this has been great. Um, if people want to find out more about you, about Applin Stash, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah. So, you know, we're pretty active on social media. Our Instagram is Alpenstash. That's A-L-P-I-N-S-T-A-S-H. So at Alpenstash, uh, like I said, YouTube channel with video tours and, and, you know, FAQs and things like that. You can search Alpenstash as our channels, our website, Alpenstash.com. We're really accessible. We're really out there. If people message us, we get back to them. We answer questions. You know, we're just you know, we, we love what we do and we love to share and interact with people and talk about this. So, um, you know, people are listening, look us up, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us. If you're in Colorado and you're looking to try our product, the best thing to do is to follow us on Instagram. That's where we do our latest drops and, uh, information and, um, yeah, that's where we are. Great. I will make sure that all those links and the handles are in the show notes so people can click through and get that information. Daddy, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. I love talking to people who are, are passionate about what they do and passionate about the plant. So this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I had a great time too. And, and I, you had some very insightful questions. It was uh, fun to do this. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.